Hello again, Timberwolves fans. Are you ready for the explosion of Timberwolves basketball? It is Tuesday, January the 3rd, 2012. This is episode number 72 of Timberwolves Explosion, and this is available on the sportstuff.com and on iTunes. We appreciate each and every one of you always for downloading and listening to this show. It is a very special thing indeed to have you on board this show listening once again. I do apologize that this show is just not recorded enough, and I really apologize. I'm going to try to make this more and more, uh, you know, publish these shows more and more often because it's been it's been way too long. I mean, I look at the releases in the past, gosh, the past six, seven, eight to 11, 12 months here, there have not been many Timberwolves explosions, and I'm really sorry. I mean, I think that's not cool. I know my schedule has been very busy, and I, I do apologize for that those of you out there, so that's part of the problem, but at the same time, this show deserves more attention, and you listeners deserve more attention. I thank you always for listening to this show, and you know what, ladies and gentlemen, you know what, this team, the Minnesota Timberwolves, deserves a lot more attention. That's right, a lot more attention, and they've been getting it in the Target Center. Um, Yeah, I know a lot of you are going to be like, yeah, they're just bandwagon fans and stuff. Yeah, a lot of them are, and that's a shame. But those of you that have been listening, and including and myself and our Marcus the Forecaster, we're not bandwagon fans. We've been doing this show since, was it, what was it, August 2008? Yeah, the Timberwolves were not very good in August 2008, were they? They were kind of coming off a pretty weak season with Randy Whitman. Uh, Al Jefferson was, of course, the star player at the time. Kevin Love was a rookie coming in. Mm, you know, some of the pieces that are, well, only really one piece is left from that team, and that's pretty much Kevin Love. That was the beginning of a different era, the David Kahn era at the time. Uh, actually, no, David Kahn was not <laughs> in charge yet. I'm just kind of, I'm just testing your guys' knowledge, right? No, no, he wasn't involved yet, but you get the idea. Uh, David Kahn became involved in June of 2009, and things started to change. It's good times, folks. It's good times. The, the Kevin Love trade was Kevin McHale's last good move with for this team. Kind of like when he took Garnett way, way back in, two, in, in 1995. So yes, my knowledge and my experience and my fandom of this Minnesota Timberwolves team goes back to <laughs> 89, 90, 91. I'll say the 90-91 season officially. 89-90 was, is a little bit obscure to me. It's just it's so far back. And, you know, I was really just kind of just starting to get into sports at the time. I got more into sports by 90-91, so... That's where my knowledge stems back, for those of you that have been wondering that. So, yeah, it's over 20 years of experience. Same thing for Marcus the Forecaster. So, there you go. Um, yeah, we got some teams to talk about, of course, or some games to talk about. We have a 2-3 and three basketball team that looks so much better than we've seen since, well, <laughs> 93, uh, excuse me, yeah, might as well be 90-something, right? But, no, 2003-2004, this is clearly the best team since that year. And it couldn't come at a better time because, well, they, huh, that that draft pick that went to the L.A. Clippers for, oh, they, they vaunted Marco Yarich, including, yeah, we even gave away Sam Cassell and that number one pick for Marco Yarich. I mean, boy, we must have thought Marco Yarich was Ricky Rubio, right? We must have thought he was what Ricky Rubio is be, going to become for this team. We must have. We must have thought he was even better than what Ricky Rubio is appearing to become for this basketball team in order to do that. <laughs> Well, the good news is it'll probably not be a top-five pick with the way this team is playing. And, of course, that draft pick will be going to the New Orleans Hornets because the L.A. Clippers used that pick 
to help acquire Chris Paul. I don't believe, in fact, no, we didn't even get into Chris Paul. We didn't get into anything. We didn't talk about J.J. Barea. Oh, my Lord. Oh, you know, and that's what happens. I couldn't get a hold of Marcus the Forecaster. And this is the first show in quite a while that has not had Marcus the Forecaster on. That's another bit of information that's really surprising. I mean, I used to do, shoot, probably I've probably done about 50 or so of these shows. No, more more than that. Probably about 55 of these shows or 60 of these shows solo. Those of you out there that maybe you started listening in the last year or so, you probably think that it's generally the duo of myself and Marcus the Forecaster. Well, I'd like it to be like that, but unfortunately... Marcus the Forecaster is tough to reach, and that's part of the reason why this show is so sporadic sometimes with the releases. So i got to go solo sometimes, folks, if I'm going to be consistently releasing this show. I mean, look at all that's happened since December the 6th when we did that massive, uh, like about two-hour show, myself and Marcus the Forecaster, where there was way too much to talk about at that time. Two hours, folks. Two hours of podcast radio. That's a lot. And I'm sure you guys did enjoy it. I hope you did. I I enjoyed every second of doing it with the forecaster. I mean, it gets a little tiring once you get to that second hour. Once you get through that second hour, it gets kind of tiring. <laughs> um, but especially when you don't do it every day. But then again, if you did do it every day, they would get more tiring, right? <laughs> no. I mean, I'd probably, I'd love to do radio every day if I could. You know, I wouldn't get tired at all because I wouldn't have the other job, right? <laughs> Be nice or the other two jobs. But, uh, yeah, you get the idea. Mounting around like a yo-yo, like always. Minnesota Timberwolves start out the season against the Oklahoma City Thunder, by the way, with the newly acquired J.J. Barea. The, the Wolves do acquire J.J. Barea, uh, four-year deal, $19 million, a little bit high, and kind of funny how we signed yet another point guard-type player. You know, you had Ramon Sessions, four years, $16 million. Okay, that didn't work out because Ramon Sessions is not the kind of player for the triangle, or was Johnny Flynn, of course, by the way, because he's a penetrator, not a shooter. Uh, <laughs> so whatever, that didn't even come close to working out. And so you bring in Luke Ridnour. That didn't work out either because Luke Ridnour thought he was Michael Jordan. He thought he was the guy that was going to be taking the big shots late in the fourth quarter, taking all these great pull-up jumpers. Oh, yeah, they were so great that they missed, and we lost virtually every time he was in there in the fourth quarter. Thank God Rubio's playing most of the fourth quarters now. In fact, all of them. Um, but yeah, that was another four-year, $16 million. I'd say it was the exact same contract again, going to Luke Ridnour, so the third year in a row. It's a three-peat. You know, David Kahn is holding that little number three that Jordan did. Remember when he was, uh, I don't know, if, well, some of you that go back that far to 93, which I absolutely do, when Jordan was uh, leaning against some type of railing, or, or not railing, but leaning against a, uh, those, I don't even know what they are, pillars in the locker room or whatever it was. He was leaning against it, holding the trophy and holding a three up because they'd won three straight titles. Well, David Kahn's holding up the three because he's got the third year in a row. He signed a point guard to a four-year deal. <laughs> it's kind of funny, isn't it? Um, and J.J. Barea, though, this is the one, you know, third time is a charm, by the way, folks. J.J. Barea does not take dumb shots. J.J. Barea does not uh, look disoriented out there. He is a perfect fit for this team. He is a he has leadership skills like I can't even believe for a guy that just literally just stepping in and is still kind of kind of semi young, at about twenty six, twenty seven ish. Um, the guy is gold, man. JJ Barea is gold. If he can stay healthy, he's he's gold. You know, he's got a little hamstring issue right now, but he takes some, he takes smart shots. 
he passes when he needs to, and he, he makes his shots. He makes his shots, he makes his layups, he's aggressive, he's passionate, he, 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 the guy is a winner, and he is a very welcome addition to this team. Absolutely. I mean, I am very impressed with J.J. Barea. And yeah, Chris Paul is a L.A. Clipper, that's the other big story in the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, the offseason free agency. That's really the only major story right now. Dwight Howard's still in Orlando Magic, we're happy for him, whatever. So, yeah, that's all I'm really going to talk about. I kind of wanted to do like a little update free agency and talk more in detail of it, but then again, really, free agency wasn't that it wasn't all that exciting. It really wasn't outside of the nonstop back and forth on again off again Chris Paul trade to the Lakers on again off again Chris Paul trade to the Clippers. The Knicks never got him. Uh, yeah, Tyson Chandler went to the Knicks. There's the other semi exciting thing that happened in the off season. Uh, Dallas Mavericks acquire Lamar Odom and Vince Carter. They get way older and they get rid of J.J. Barea and uh, Tyson Chandler or they lose them, whatever. They kind of don't They don't put any effort to keep them. They lose two guys that were intricate parts to the winning a championship and they are clearly, clearly, <laughs> their ship has absolutely sailed. Dallas Mavericks are not going to win another championship ever again. That's the end of it <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Nor will the San Antonio Spurs We'll get into that later as we kind of get into some of the game reviews here. Um, I'm going to try to not be overly detailed in the games, game reviews to try to, just for the sake of time, we don't need to have a two and a half hour show talking about every little dribble and every little pass that Ricky Rubio made, but let's let's just get to it. I mean, the long-awaited, eternal wait to see Ricky Rubio finally ended, because not only had it been a long wait, but then we had six more months to wait because of the godforsaken excuse, forgive my language, lockout that lasted, oh, six months. <laughs> lasted about six months, well, five officially, because it ended in, like, the end of November, you know, started this little July 1st, but you get the idea. Needed a month to kind of revamp everything. But, yeah, Monday, December the 26th, after the five-header, which I did enjoy, you know, on and off during the day, of course, distracted with the, the fiancé and the, and the family and all that, so... Yep, it, it was a good day, but uh, yeah, nice to see Kevin Garnett make a fool of himself yet again against the New York Knicks. Of course, missing the shot like he always did with the Timberwolves. The guy was not a the guy was not a winner at all when it came to hitting the big shot at the end of the game. I'm sorry to say, but that was just Kevin Garnett is not the kind of guy that's going to go out there and win a game for you. Uh, you know, like late late in the game, he's no more clutch than Luke Ridnour is. <laughs> He's, yeah, he might take the shot, but he ain't going to make it. <laughs> and then he, like, tries to choke. Was it Walker? I forget. I mean, I know so little about Walker on the Knicks that I'll just move on from there. Being an NBA guru that I am, you'd think I would know about more about Walker, but no, that's how obscure the guy is. Because the Knicks traded every player that meant anything to the Nuggets, and that's why the Nuggets are good, in order to acquire Camaro Anthony. Um, yeah. They have their little big three, and that's it. <laughs> All right, enough. Enough, Joey. Let's just move on. Dallas Mavericks, of course, get destroyed by Miami in that game. So, yeah. Getting back to the point of Dallas later on. We'll get back to that later. So, yeah, the Oklahoma City game, the Wolves just looked good the entire way. Oklahoma took a little lead in the uh, second quarter, but really the Wolves hung tight with a very good basketball team. Uh, I'm going to say this right out, right here, right now. I've talked so little about this guy, but now I'm going to talk a little bit about him. I don't like Russell Westbrook. I just don't. Uh, the talent is there. The uh, 
but the attitude is too. I don't like him. I don't like him, and I don't like the Thunder because of him. <laughs> Kevin Durant is a great basketball player. Um, Marcus the Forecaster's cousin floods us with the Oklahoma City Thunder so much that I just can't stand them anymore because of it. <laughs> He's so cocky about the Oklahoma City Thunder that it's kind of like, I want everybody who plays the Thunder to beat them nowadays. Yeah, I do. I actually enjoyed seeing Dallas beat them last night. That was awesome. Even though I don't like Dallas at all. <laughs> I, 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 I <laughs> and it's okay, guys, out there for you to like the Thunder. You can like the Thunder all you want, but I can dislike them all I want because it's just one of those things. It's like if you had some guy constantly brag about a certain team, like they're like better, and he basically thinks they're better than the Chicago Bulls in the 90s, and he's actually has said stuff like that, and it's like, dude, I'm done. I don't want to cheer for your team. <laughs> but no, um, Russell Westbrook, I yeah, I think he's way too cocky. I think he takes too many shots. I think he's too reckless. I think his attitude is the pits. I don't like him. I mean, he's, he's a Stephon Marbury type guy, man. He's like a Marbury on steroids, quite frankly. <laughs> he's more hyper than Marbury. I mean, he, he's on steroids. I don't like him. And no, he's not legitimately on steroids. I'm just saying it. You know, he acts like he is. Um, not a fan of Russell Westbrook. I used to be, but then I kind of, he kind of exposed himself to be an a-hole last postseason. And he pretty much lost me for <laughs> the foreseeable future, maybe forget forever. Uh, Durant is great, and that's all there is to it. In fact, if you were to ask me who's going to be the favorite for the most viable player this year, it's Kevin Durant. So, with that said, with that said, let's talk about our club. I think I've talked enough about the Thunder. <laughs> our club, yeah. I mean, there's a guy on our team that uh, drives me crazy. He shot 27 shots in the Oklahoma City game. Luckily, the new coach did not act like the old coach. He didn't have to address it in the media about Michael Beasley, which obviously you knew who I was getting to. He didn't come out, he didn't call out Michael Beasley in the media. Uh, Ramos didn't really necessarily call people out. Randy Whitman did, uh, but Ramos didn't necessarily call people out, but at the same time, he didn't really address issues. He just kind of, it just seemed to see, you'd see the same the same mistakes over and over and over and over again by the guys like Luke Redenauer, um, Wayne Ellington, and Corey Brewer, yeah, the list goes on and on. Johnny Flynn, you'd see the same mistakes time and, and time out. Luke Ridenour especially, this, who's supposed to be the veteran on the team. The same exact mistakes over and over again. Guys like Beasley screw things up the same exact way, game in and game out. Well, Beasley did screw up things two games in a row. He did the same thing in the Milwaukee Bucks game where he shot too much, took dumb shots. Not only did he shot too much, shoot too much, but the shots were just retarded and he shot us out of the game. Michael Beasley, the way he attacked the basket late in the game against the Oklahoma City Thunder made me want to kill him. He did cost us the game, as a, uh, a local uh, podcaster also mentioned that I listened to recently on their fourth episode. Uh, Michael Beasley <laughs> shot us out of the game, and he took a very dumb shot there. Uh, Michael Beasley, man, I... I <laughs> Yeah, I'll get back to him. I'll get back to him when I feel like it here. Uh, but really, the story of the whole game was, was Ricky Rubio. The guy can play in this league. There's no doubt about it, and he's going to be a star in this league. Yes, he is. And he showed it even in this game when he was very timid. He only took th three shots. He made two of them. 
and made both of his free throws. He had six points, six assists, five rebounds. Uh, I, I think Ricky Rubio is going to be similar to a Jason Kidd type as his career progresses because you'll see a little bit of a three-point touch from this young man in the future games. We saw, we saw, we saw three-point shots from him in the future games. That will uh, kind of semi-review. We're going to kind of basically talk about stuff more than just review the game in general. Um, try to remember certain parts of the games. But uh, Ricky Rubio, man, he uh, he's the real deal, folks. There's there's just no doubt about it. I do see him as a Jason kid as his career progresses, becoming more and more of an outside threat. Uh, Derek Williams, clearly an athlete and a guy that can make shots. He amazingly shot the ball 14 times in his first game, only 6 of 14 from the floor overall. Uh, the most exciting addition in the offseason in this particular game, you know, you could say it's Rubio, but really I think it was J.J. Barea against the OKC Thunder. I, I thought he played his heart out. He was awesome. Uh, he missed a scoop kind of layup late in the game that I think really hurt us, though, and that, oh, he was mad as hell, and I was mad as hell. It, like, came up short for whatever reason. I don't know if he choked or what the hell the problem was, but he was making all of those type of plays earlier, and he blew that one, and it seemed like it seemed like things snowballed after that. Kevin Durant hit big shots, um, then Beasley was driving to the basket. He had three guys collapsing in on him, and the SOB didn't even look to pass. He just forced up a shot and put up pretty much an air ball, saying, where's the foul? Where's the foul? Dude, play... With a, I mean, dude, your IQ was like 16 with that play. I mean, I wanted to kill him. I just said, what a what a bleeping idiot, basically. Forgive that uh, for saying that here, but that's basically what I said. I, I was extremely upset with the shot selection of Michael Beasley. And this is not based on a couple games, especially the Bucks and Oklahoma City game coming in. Uh, excuse me, yeah, the Bucks and Oklahoma City games coming in, but... Dude, if you can get something for Michael Beasley, I would trade him. I don't think he is the kind of guy that is going to get better. I, I think he kind of is what he is. I know he's young and all this, oh, he'll mature type of stuff. Well, how many players in this league have we seen that by the third or fourth year, and they're still kind of acting stupid like, like Michael Beasley does, they still kind of have this attitude, like they still kind of have this attitude problem, like Michael Beasley does. How many of those guys develop into something later on in their career? Maybe like one out of ten, right? So <laughs> I'm willing to take a chance and deal the guy if somehow, some way, you can get uh, a requisite player in return, like a OJ Mayo type of guy. I mean, I do want OJ Mayo on this roster if possible. He'd be a nice fill-in at that shooting guard position. Maybe, maybe you can uh, get uh, Wesley Johnson to play some small forward instead of shooting guard because, quite honestly, I don't think Wesley Johnson is going to succeed in this league to the level you would like him to succeed at the shooting guard position. I don't think that's his natural position in this league, folks. I think he's a small forward, and he's uh, he's played very well at that position during his career. Now, interesting thoughts going in, but uh, takes by Rick Adelman are um, the whole thing about the small forward position, he said Derek Williams is going to play the five. The five. That's where he's going to succeed the most in this league is at the five. Well, Kevin Love's a five, right? But then again, then that kind of opens the door for Kevin Love to play center and maybe less minutes for Darko Milicic here and there. 
So then I think if you do that, I guess you have Love at center, Derek at five, and then uh, and then you look at Wesley Johnson at three, OJ Mayo at two, and and the Rubio Ridnour or whatever uh, Berea point guard, you know, and then fill in a shooting guard, you know, whichever point guard shooting guard type of deals there with OJ Mayo. I think you kind of have that thing develop maybe, and then Wayne Ellington as well. I think you let that develop. Anthony Randolph, Anthony Tolliver, the Anthony's filling at the fours and fives. Um, Brad Miller, possibly a little bit of playing time. Pekovich is going to get playing time later on. Martel Webster will maybe be a 2-3 later on. It's going to be interesting, but no, that would be in my thoughts of if we can get rid of Beasley and maybe get Mayo somehow. Maybe you have to package Ellington with him to get a Mayo and maybe a draft pick or something. I mean, I, but I'm seriously ready to trade Michael Beasley. Um, he has offensive skills, but the attitude to me is crazy. I don't know. He just he just reeks of the kind of guy. He's just going to be who he is, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. I just kind of think that's how it is. I'm not, and that's not trying to judge somebody. It's experience, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's experience. Some guys just they just want to be who they want to be, and well, that's your right to do that, but it's also my right to decide that I don't want you in my in my uh, company or my uh, on my team. It's my right to do that. I, I'd like to have a, somebody that fits the position better. And in my opinion, that's how I feel. That's my opinions about Michael Beasley at this point in time. Those are my opinions on the beast at this point in time. Hey, I felt that way about Kevin Love a little bit early on. I didn't like his attitude like about a year, year and a half ago, two years ago. Didn't like the guy's attitude, but that was only in his second year. This is Beasley's fourth, folks, fourth year in this league. He was a joke with the Heat. He stored more with Minnesota, but was still kind of a, a knucklehead. Last season, he's kind of the same exact guy again. I don't think he's learned anything. I think he's the same exact guy. Kevin Love has gone from a guy who's going to get 12 points, 10 rebounds, 14 points, 11 rebounds, and have a kind of an attitude problem, suck, absolutely suck defensively, and be kind of just a plotter out there, to a straight-up, no question about it, all-star. <laughs> a, a, a guy who, if when he doesn't get a double-double, you're looking at the TV screen like, are you flipping kidding me? Kevin Love did not get a double-double, did he get hurt, or what the hell happened here? Or, or was there some type of conspiracy to not let him get the rebounds or something? I mean, <laughs> that's how good Kevin Love is. And even better, like, he'll get these astronomical statistics in the rebounding category, but then the guy will score 25, 26 points, game in, game out. You'll see the 30-point game, you'll see 28, you'll see 27. You don't look at Kevin Love as this dominant scorer, but then, gosh darn it, he scores 20-plus every single game. Every single game, which Kevin Garnett really didn't do. Kevin Love is probably going to go down as a better scorer than Kevin Garnett when all said is done. So when all is said and done, now that my English is a little bit better. Um, <laughs> so there you go. I mean, yeah, I was wrong about Kevin Love. And I'm glad I was wrong because there you go. He's part of a foundation that is looking pretty good here for the Minnesota Timberwolves to go along with the Ricky Rubios, Rick Adelmans, and uh, 
<laughs> Derek Williams, I think, is a huge part of that later on. If Beasley wants to become, you know, Wesley Johnson, I hope. <laughs> but I'll get into Wesley a little bit later, too. Thank God he finally played better last night against San Antonio. But, no, Beasley, if he wants to really, truly be a part of this organization long-term, there is going to need to be a change in attitude and in body language from this guy because right now he just kind of looks like a guy who <laughs> is in another world. Seriously. He's in another world, and he's been that way since he got here, since he got to the NBA, not, not just to Minnesota. He's been more serious here compared to Miami. Like in Miami, the guy looked like he was high, and that's it. End of story. Oh, now I'm going to get fined like David Kahn for saying he's, he's a marijuana guy, but, well, he is. <laughs> so there there you go. Uh, Wesley Johnson started out the season pitifully. A lot of people were not happy about how things took place with him coming in. I mean, he looked, he looks timid, afraid to shoot for the most part. In fact, even last night he shot six of six from the floor. He made all of his shots, believe it or not, but he only shot six shots. So what, what the hell? I'll get to that later. Stop it, Joey. Just get to it later. <laughs> Might as well just review them all in one big conk conk. But uh, it, it's been a, it was a slow start for Wesley Johnson. He seems to be scared to shoot, and nobody knows why, quite honestly. Uh, with that said, though, the Minnesota Timberwolves lose 104-100 to to the Oklahoma City Thunder on the 26th, Monday, the 26th of December, in a very, very awesome game. But it's like, I kind of was like, doggone it, you know, we look so much better, but how many times did we say it last year? We played so good against San Antonio or Dallas or Houston or whoever, but we still lost the gosh darn game. And it's like, well, whatever. It's just here we go again. We're, you know, we're going to have to wait and see that this team can actually prove that they really are this much better, that they really are close to the Oklahoma. You know, they really did. They really are a good enough team that they can at least play late in the game, give the Thunder a run for their money late in the game at times. Like they have enough talent to do that. Are they that good, or was it just one hot little game and the Thunder were kind of sleepwalking? And it's like, that kind of crap happened a lot last season to the Timberwolves. And I really began to wonder that when the Minnesota Timberwolves the next night went into Milwaukee and suck up the joint. Now, you could argue because Rick Adelman was uh, unavailable for this game, which surprised the heck out of me. There was like nothing about it. Bam, Rick Adelman's gone because he's at a funeral for his mother-in-law. Timberwolves lose 98-95. They turn the ball over about as much as they score baskets in this game. <laughs> I mean, it was pitiful. In fact, gosh darn it, you know what? They shot 28 of 70, good for 40%, and they turned the ball over 25 times. So, yeah, they almost got as many turnovers as they got baskets in this game. That's ridiculous. 25 turnovers, folks. Timberwolves were getting their ass handed to them in the second quarter. So the second quarter has been kind of the Wolves' Achilles' heel, at least early on. They kind of got things up. They kind of paralleled with the Bucks in the third quarter, but the fourth quarter they made a rally. Couldn't win it again. Beasley with some more poor shot selection again late in the game. Uh, Rubio went from a guy with no turnovers to a guy with three, but he did get three steals as well. Strong game there. Uh, but it was disappointing to see guys like Rubio and Derek Williams take some significant steps back in their second game, but I guess you can expect that after coming in with a real high. Uh, Ridenauer played a lot more in this game, but that's because Rubio wasn't as sharp. Wesley Johnson played a lot in the game, but he was not very sharp either. 
people getting real frustrated with him. Darko Milicic follows out, turns the ball over five times. Why is your center turning the ball over five times? Why? Is he trying to be a point guard, or is he just a clumsy klutz? I guess he's a clumsy klutz. Uh, J.J. Barea shoots one of nine, which is a huge disappointment there, and he injured his hamstring, so we weren't going to be seeing him play against the Miami Heat in the following game, the Friday. Kevin Love had just an awesome game, though. With a, uh, with a 31 and 20 game, so another 30 20 game for Kevin Love. Just unbelievable, amazing. It's been a uh, an awesome run for this guy's development in this league. Like I was saying earlier, the guy can score 30, 26, 25, 27, whatever. He just continues to dominate. Kevin Love had another awesome game, helped this team really go along the way, uh, a long way. Uh, 19 of 24 from the free throw line, folks. 19 of 24. From the free throw line, that is a huge part of, uh, that's a huge sign of development as well. Being able to get to the free throw line, Kevin Love is becoming that more and more and more. And in that game, he really, really did that. But the finish was was lame. I mean, the Wolves took the lead for small points in this game, but Beasley took a lot of dumb shots again in this game. Turned the ball over at times. It's just, I, I don't like the guy very much. Again, as I said earlier, I'm ready to move on. Uh, Brandon Jennings earlier made some kind of snide comments about how he's not really impressed with Ricky Rubio coming into the league. He said that earlier, like not before the game, I don't believe. And um, unfortunately, Jennings right now has the uh, it's one to nothing in favor of Brandon Jennings at this point in time. Hard to believe to see uh, Andrew Bogut shoot the ball 20 times in the game. Seven of 20 for Bogut. Seven of seven of 20 for Stephen Jackson. Uh, 7 of 14 for Brandon Jennings is quite alarming to see the guy actually shoot 50% in a game. So, that's <laughs> the first time you see Brandon Jennings shoot that well. Uh, so early. It's kind of funny when you think about it. Mm-hmm. It really is. So, we're actually going to get to some of the these... Uh, we have a Facebook a group, a Facebook page. We're going to... Uh, the only the comments are on the Facebook group, unfortunately. So, I don't know seems like a lot of you guys aren't moving over to the page yet, so I guess we'll mention both. Uh, to get to the Facebook group for Timberwolves Explosion, simply type in Timberwolves Explosion Minnesota Timberwolves Show. Go to that. You can comment on there, but also I'd prefer you type in the same thing and click on the one that says Company and then click Like and comment on there. That would be nice. Uh, Nick Borboom shows up as Nicholas Borboom. Talks, uh, <clears throat> talks about the game against the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder first. He says, not a bad game. It was a hard-fought loss. I think the Wolves are getting their teeth back with the new coach and all the new players. I'm looking forward to a very exciting season. And, uh, yeah, as I said on the Facebook page in response, yeah, I'm very excited. I mean, there is no way you can you can, you can not be excited if you've been watching this team the past several years, you know, post the post-playoff uh, era. You know, and, of course, your experience with the playoff era. Uh, th- this team is looking very strong right now. They're kind of like Lob City 2.0, like I mentioned on there. It's it's a lot of fun. Rubio is fine. We're finally getting pick and rolls, people cutting to the basket, and, and good passing. I mean, you weren't getting any of that in the uh, Karamis era. I didn't really see much of anything out of Randy Whitman that would tell you he should have ever coached a game. It was very, very frustrating. Um, Nick Borbum then talks about the Bucks game the next night. He says, well, it was another loss for them. But the major difference from the past seasons I have noticed in the losses to the Thunder and the Bucks, the team didn't give up in the fourth quarter. So that's the difference. Yeah, the Wolves made big comebacks in both games. Uh, they're closing the gap, and I like to see that. They are more intense. Play, 
they are more intense play that they are more intense play that I've not seen in a very long time. Even though it's 0 and 2 start, the dynamic of these cha- changes are beginning to show. Like the fact the wolves are finally bearing their fangs to everyone. It's going to be an interesting season to say the least. Some very good thoughts there. He talks later about uh, congratulations. The first win of the season was a heck of a game. That was against the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, he didn't comment on the Miami or the San Antonio game. So thanks, Nick Barboom. You're a very welcome addition to Timberwolves Explosion. Oh, he's been a fan of this team for a long time and a friend of mine for a long time as well. So very, very cool. He's also been a listener to the show for quite a while. So shout out to you, Nick. As I'm sure you're listening, appreciate it oh so very much. Uh, Marcus on, and I know it's not Marcus the Forecaster, Marcus on the Twitter account, twitter.com forward slash wolves explosion. So there was no space for Timberwolves explosion. It's twitter.com forward slash wolves explosion. Go there and follow the Twitter account. This was before the Wolves game. Marcus, uh, his, his handle is uh, Saraki, S-A-R-A-C-K-I. I'm not sure how to say it. It might be Saraki. Um, sounds Japanese. <laughs> uh, it is, his comment is, uh, I'm afraid of the difficulty early, or the difficult early season schedule might bring the players and fans down to earth. And yeah, I mean the Wolves did lose some tight games, but it kept. But the fan, the Wolves, excuse me, the Wolves played so well in those games that you felt like, oh my God, this is an awesome. <laughs> this is a very entertaining team, very exciting. Uh, unfortunately, they lose. They lost some of those games to Oklahoma and Miami. And of course, the Bucks game sucked, but yeah, Oklahoma and Miami, those were uh, man, very very bitter losses, but very very well well played games by the Timberwolves. Absolutely, especially the Miami game. That was unbelievable. Still cannot believe they lost that game, by the way. I, I just could not believe it. Honestly. Mm-mm-mm. We move up a little bit. Uh, it, was just, it was absolutely crazy. Uh, Howland T. Wolf, he's been a follower for a while. Howland T. Wolf, he also has a really nice website. Very cool. Talks about the... Uh, or no, this was, yeah, it talks about the game against uh, Oklahoma on the first night. He says, it's going to be a great night. At least we get to spend time watching the Thunder 2 instead of the Bucks. <laughs> so it was nice because it was uh, instead of the Bucks or someone because that's all it had been in the preseason. Um, I made a comment about Beasley's an idiot. Why force a shot with three people on you? Yeah, that was a terrible, uh, terrible play by Michael Beasley. Derek Rick and Kristen... Monthly were nice enough to retweet that. Got to appreciate that indeed. Farzine Vasugian has a few talkers here. Uh, I think it was mostly football, though. Kind of football conversation in there. So I'll leave that uh, to Purple Mafia. <laughs> Purple Mafia is a show, of course, they talk about the Vikings. Um, it's like this one just kind of goes for a while. It's kind of funny. Uh, Derek Rick comments to me saying, uh, Derek Rick is. Uh, Handle on Twitter is DJR57108. So lots of numbers there. <laughs> but yeah, Derek Rick says, says yes, Johnny Flynn got a DNP from McHale. So <laughs> gotta like that. We'll take it. We will absolutely take that. Yep. I mean, what I love about the lockout, I, I mentioned this at one point, is that I like is that there's so many games to watch. And yeah, absolutely. That's what was fun about the lockout back in '99. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about possibly three games, uh, three games in a row, three days in a row. But that's not enough to work with. Y- yep. Uh, 
<laughs> I like it. I like it an absolute lot. Uh, three, so you could have back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. You have lots of back-to-backs. I mean, there's always games going on. I mean, there's been a game every single night that we can watch on my new TV. I mean, good times. Good times. Absolutely. Uh, I made a comment about how, uh, uh, what's-his-face, oh, what's-his-face, Brian Westbrook is a, did I call him Brian Westbrook? <laughs> Westbrook, yeah, good old Westbrook. Good times, right? Russell Westbrook. Man, I am like brain farting here, and I don't know why. Russell Westbrook, I basically say he's cocky, and I can't stand him. Uh, Marcus responds with, of course, not the forecaster, Sirake, responds with, yes, he is, but damn, dead, but damn is he good. He should move away from the thunder. He always will be the second banana. And I made that comment because of how he was like basically fighting with uh, Kevin Durant in the sidelines. It's like, man, I mean, the guy, I think he's a jerk. I really do. I don't like Westbrook. I can't wait till he's just, yeah, whatever. Uh, I won't even go into anything there. Um, Alan Horton, kind enough to retweet to me because I was like, by the way, you know, you, you think about stuff. Stuff moves fast and you kind of miss certain details along the way. Timberwolves suddenly go from KFAN to WCCO. And um, it's like, well, is Alan Horton still the... Uh, Still a play-by-play voice of the Timberwolves. Yes, he is. Absolutely. And, he, and I mentioned how glad I am that he's, you know, still the play-by-play voice. And his response is, thank you. Always always nice to get feedback like that. Appreciate it. So very cool to hear about, uh, very cool to hear back from the play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's right. Play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves tweeting back to Wolves Explosion. So a little bit of a connection there. Very, very cool. Also made a connection with a, another Timberwolves uh, podcast in this town. T-Wolves cast. Very cool guys indeed. Thank you very much. He mentioned he's been a fan for a year, and um, I'm a fan of his show. Four episodes in. Very, very cool. So there's a shout-out to you guys out there in case you're listening, and I, I hope you are. As you mentioned, you were. So <laughs> thank you very much, guys. You're very cool. Good job so far. Good job so far. Hopefully I'm doing good, too. Uh, Marcus Sarakai responds uh, to something I mentioned about uh, get rid of, uh, yeah, like I basically said, who's ready to move on with Michael Beasley? Who's ready to trade him? I am. He responds with have to, have to package him to get value back. So basically it's like straight up, you're probably not going to get much for Michael. And, uh, yeah, Miami didn't get much. They got two second-round picks, though funny. One of those second-round picks helped them get Norris Cole. Uh, the Wolves traded one of those second-round picks for cash to the Miami Heat. Uh, it was some type of deal where the Wolves wind up with a 28th pick or something. They had to package stuff together, and it wound up being Norris Cole to the Miami Heat. It gets kind of confusing, but, yeah, look at Norris Cole on the Miami Heat. Looks looks like a really good pick. Farzine Vasugian, that's the host of the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs Zone, also on the SportsStuff.com and on iTunes. He responds to me with uh, trade him to Kansas City because, and then he put wrong idea, because, uh, well, hey, Michael Beasley used to play for for KU. Farzine Vesugian, obviously very uh, familiar with that team. And uh, I said, I said, you mean trade him to the Sacramento Kings? Because they used to be, <laughs> they used to play in Kansas City. They used to be called the Kansas City Basketball Royals. I said that, and then he, Farzine's like, LOL, touchy, thinking that I was being kind of mean, that's funny. <laughs> but no, that wasn't meant as a shot, it was like, it's just a funny thought, I'll trade him to the Royals, then I guess trade him to the Kings. <gasps> they were going to be the Anaheim Royals if they moved there. 
to bring back the royal name. Ooh, cool. Not. Oh, man, man, man. Yep, good times indeed. Good times indeed. Farzine responds to me with, I need a Dr. Rand jersey. People will make his jersey, his jersey the most bought in the NBA. Because I made a comment again about uh, Westbrook. So we'll just kind of leave that as is. Yes, we will. Um, some other tweets. I mean, it's a pretty busy tweet here. Some Timberwolves stuff. I forget exactly what Marcus is responding to. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, it's another one. Tanner Jurek. Tanner Jurek. I hope I'm responding his name. He says awkward, so I wanted to remember. Oh, yeah, I said uh, Wesley Johnson is invisible out there. He responds to me with awkward because the guy literally hit a three, like, immediately um, after I said that, which is hilarious. It's, like, extremely hilarious. And, yeah, he also looked awkward out there. Um, I talked about how Johnson's looking better, or at least he was nice, nice to see him hit a three. Marcus responds with, if he and Wayne can both raise their game, Wolves will look a lot better. Yeah, we need that outside threat. That's what's... Uh, that's the problem. We The lack of outside threat is the biggest weakness on this team. Um, also, uh, I mentioned, you know, I noticed during one of the games, I forget, I believe yeah, it was the Miami game because Berea was out. Berea called Ricky Rubio over and was giving him advice, and clearly you could tell it was like the kind of stuff that was making Rubio smarter, you know. It was the kind of stuff that was really helping Rubio out there. I was commented on that. Derek Rick responds with, yeah, that would never happen under Rambus, and you know, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think it would happen under Rambus. I don't think so. Uh, did not like the, uh, yeah, the Miami Heat game, so we're going to kind of get to that here in a stack. Not really much more to say about the Bucks game. Kevin Love played great. The Wolves turned over the ball way too much, and that's about all there was to it. Uh, Beasley took some horrible shots late in the game, and it was, just, uh, it, was their, it was the Wolves' ugliest game of the year, and they only lost by three. Miami uh, Heat defeat the Wolves by only two points in the target center in a heartbreaker on Friday the 30th of December last game of 2011 so the Wolves end the, end the uh, 2011 with 11 consecutive or excuse me 18 consecutive losses dating back into last spring or whatever it was very very frustrating there the Wolves played fantastic basketball overall Ricky Rubio showing some serious signs in this game Ridnauer only playing 17 minutes because Rubio got 31 minutes in this game, and he and he played awesome. Uh, got some turnovers early on. Guys like Wade, uh, LeBron James is off the charts in this game. It was his birthday, so happy birthday, LeBron! Oh goody. Norris Cole looked good, but not as good as Rubio. <laughs> Haslam was a factor. It, it was a back and forth battle between these two teams. Um, Though early on, it looked as if like Miami was pretty much going to take care of business here. They're the best team in the league. They're just going to spank the Wolves. And then it's like, no, the Wolves came back in the second quarter, believe it or not. So a little bit of a switcheroo there. Wolves actually have a great second quarter. They outscored the Heat by 13 in the second. They get 33 points in the second quarter. Awesome run by the Wolves there. Very, very fun to watch. <laughs> very, very unbelievably fun game to watch. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the Wolves played some some phenomenal ball in this particular game. Uh, but Ricky Rubio, though, he hit his first three-pointer and his second three-pointer in this game. So <laughs> some early touch for Ricky Rubio. Very, very cool indeed to see that developing. I mean, that was very, very encouraging to see that happening. It, it really was. Kevin Love wound up with 25 points in the game. 
he was uh, he was outstanding. Rubio had 12 assists in the game, the first double double by any uh, Wolves point guard since uh, first point guard to get point uh, to get a double double with points and assists. Excuse me, since Sam Cassell back in 04 when the Wolves were awesome. Last time the Wolves were awesome, and it's like here we go. Clearly a team on the rise, but a lot of calls, and I mean a lot of calls, went the Miami Heat's way in this game. Uh, there was a there were charges that should have been called. And believe it or not, you know, it's like I'm actually wishing there was a charge called. <laughs> I usually get annoyed with all these charges. I think they ruin the game at times. But to see the Wolves get flat out no call ever in the whole game, it was getting ridiculous. Uh, what's his name? Oh, what's his name? Rick Edelman was getting pretty frustrated watching it as well. And understandably, uh, Rick Edelman was basically like beside himself, flipping out, saying, "Are you? You can't be serious. Are you kidding me?" which is what I'm saying at this computer right now, but <laughs> that's basically what he was saying. He was just in utter shock. Like, are you kidding me at some of the calls in the game? My, I mean, Miami was getting more calls than Heinz has pickles, folks. I mean, it was, uh, it was sad stuff. It was very, very frustrating. But to see Rubio get 12 assists, I mean, just dominant performance by a point guard. We haven't seen a Timberwolves point guard do that since Sam Cassell. And Cassell is not someone you really looked on as the kind of guy that goes out there and <laughs> dishes, dishes, dishes. So that's what's funny. You know, Cassell's not that kind of guy. Rubio clearly is becoming that. I mean, his passes are just awesome. He'll be dribbling. He'll turn his hips and just kind of do a one-handed bounce pass, and they are perfect, perfectly timed uh, to, a, to a cutter like Derek Williams, like Anthony Randolph, like Kevin Love. I mean, <laughs> It's, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I mean, we honestly can say we have a real point guard of the Minnesota Timberwolves right now, and it, it, it's, it's unbelievable. It's so awesome to see it uh, before our eyes right now. I mean, I'm just thrilled. And I'm going to make this quick statement right here and right now. This Minnesota Timberwolves team is, is really, really starting to remind me of the 96-97 Minnesota Timberwolves. Remember what happened? You know, the years before that, they were terrible. Christian Leitner, uh, Chris Smith, he was a point guard. That was not really much of anything. Uh, Michael Williams had one good year, and then he was nothing but hurt. Uh, Isaiah Ryder was just a retard, (laughs) which is what I, I mean, I kind of think Michael Beasley is kind of similar to that, a guy who will score and make highlights, but is never going to, never, ever going to really be anything in this league. I don't, I honestly don't believe he will be. And I'm sorry to make that harsh uh, judgment, but I, I honestly do not think Michael Beasley's ever going to be anything in this league beyond just a big fat tease. Really, I said it. I sure did. I'm not impressed with Beasley at all. Uh, not since day one with Miami. But with that said, you know, you had all those clowns, all those knuckleheads that couldn't win no matter who was the coach or who was the best player. And all of a sudden, you started to get pieces. You got Kevin Garnett in 95-96. The team was still bad, but hmm, you got Kevin Garnett now. It's kind of like Kevin Love developing last year. Last year was kind of like the 95-96 season. But now you got Ricky Rubio and Derek Williams. You Now you have a real point guard, and all of a sudden it's like the whole landscape is starting to change. And not only that, you bring in a better, a 10 billion times better coach. I mean, just, just light years better coach. And Rick Adelman. 
And what's better about this team than the 96-97 teams? Team, there really aren't scrubs on this roster. Uh, you can't even you couldn't even you can't even really say like Ellington and Pekovic are scrubs. I mean, they at least warrant some playing time. Uh, Randolph sometimes. <laughs> Randolph is not a scrub either. He's talented, but ooh man, oh man. I'll get to him in the Dallas game. That guy made me a little bit annoyed there. The Wolves played great in that game, but Randolph, yeah. A little out of control. A little bit of Beasley. <laughs> um, but like, but with that said, this team does not isn't filled with scrubs like the 96-97 team. When you had the Shane Heels, you had the Stoiko Vrankovic, I mean, Doug West. It's just, they're, they're scrubs. Doug West, at that stage of his career, was a scrub. He couldn't make. He couldn't shoot. He he didn't drive much. I mean, the only thing he was in the league for was his defense, and that wasn't that good. I mean, it's not like he was like, oh my god, I wish we had him. Um, that that roster was filled with scrubs. James Hollywood Robinson, scrub and a half, man. I'm telling you, that guy was a scrub. That roster had a lot of scrubs, but it also had some decent guys, like Terry Porter, Sam Mitchell, to go along with Garnett, Gugliotta, and Marbury. And I, I kind of think the Timberwolves are developing a Garnett Gugliotta Marbury type of situation, maybe with Derek Williams, Kevin Love, and uh, um, uh, Ricky Rubio. You can kind of see it coming. You also have, you know, Flip Saunders was at the time the best coach the Timberwolves had ever had, and and Flip was in just his uh, kind of first full season as the head coach of the Wolves at the time in ninety six ninety seven, and he was a point guard type of coach. Now you have Rick Adelman as the Timberwolves coach. He's a point guard type of coach in his first season as the team's coach. And gosh darn it, I'm starting to see signs that this is a, a legit basketball team that can at least, that ha- you can tell they're going to be competitive in the years to come. You can, you can see it. So I'm seeing this year as a similar situation, a team that could maybe be a 35-40 to 40 win team in a full season. Does that mean the postseason? Well, probably not this type of not this year because there's too much competition in the West. But back then, like there there was tie was it was kind of like the Eastern Conference where it's really top heavy with the elite teams and you know like in that case like the Miami Chicago type teams and then bottom soft top heavy bottom soft. Uh, right now and for the last several years, that's been the Eastern Conference, whereas the West is just top to bottom. Like good luck, you're gonna have to win 50 games to make it. So, like the equivalent of 50 games, but in a full season, 50 games. Um, this team is not going to do that, I don't think, but who knows? I mean, who knows? If we beat, start beating teams like Memphis and stuff, you know, on a consistent basis, then maybe, because that might be a team we'll be competing for that eighth seed. There, there's a small chance this could be a playoff team, because we beat two playoff teams on Sunday the 1st and Monday the 2nd. That's right, the Minnesota Timberwolves go on a two-game winning streak against two teams that have been a thorn in the Timberwolves' side for 10-plus frickin' years. Yeah, and it's felt like 10-plus frickin' years. The Dallas Mavericks come to the Target Center, a team that's clearly not as good as they were in years past, but they were coming off their first victory, and it was a solid win for the Mavericks. But they came in, and they got stomped by the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves won 99 to 82 against the Dallas Mavericks. The only thing, the only thing negative I could say about this game, aside of like the long, long run we gave the Mavericks to come back in the game. I mean, the Wolves were leading the whole way, folks, the whole way. I mean, there's multiple things I could say about this team in this particular game. 
you know, I'm not even going to take a break in this show. I'm just going to go. Because by the time I'm done with the Spurs game, we'll be able to wrap her up here. But, yeah, I'm just going to go. So it's going to be one of those rare shows. There's no, it's not cut up at all, really. I'm just talking. Kind of like me and Marcus, huh? <laughs> I, I, I miss him, you know. I wish he was here. But, number Wolves, as I mentioned, 99-82, they led the whole way. I mean, they led the whole way, folks. Okay, it was tied at the end of the first quarter, but aside of that, they led the entire game. The entire game. And it was it was a beauty. But uh, the only negative thing is Anthony Randolph really took a step back in this game. Uh, J.J. Barea returned and played well. He may have shot the ball a little too much for my liking. 4 of 11 from the floor, but still a good game. Kevin Love had a classic Kevin Love game with 25 and 17. Uh, Rubio was awesome again with 14 points and 7 assists, but the turnovers have kind of taken over a little bit. Four turnovers, he was 2 of 3 from three-point range, so Rubio finding his three-point shot early. That's very encouraging. Tolliver was incredible with three of five from the floor. Oh, and one quick thing to mention for the Miami game, Tolliver missing a free throw against the Heat in that game was awfully frustrating, actually. That could have that kind of contributed to costing us the game. Beasley, a non-factor against Dallas. Three of ten from the floor and only eight points. Eh, whatever. Williams still kind of, Derek Williams still kind of slow to develop. But, uh, no, Anthony Randolph, to get to the point that I was trying to make temporarily there, Anthony Randolph, to me, uh, really took about, took several steps back in this game. One of six from the floor, and, and uh, that does not, that does not <laughs> reflect how bad he was in this game. And, yeah, one of six, you think, oh, he was terrible, right? Non-factor. No, he was terrible in this game because it seemed like every time he touched the ball, it was like your heart just sank into your stomach. Like, oh God, oh God, please, get just get him out of there. He is he's killing us. Because he would turn the ball over, he'd make terrible decisions, he would travel, he would throw the ball away, he, and his shot selection was sickeningly bad. He refused to pass on multiple occasions. When he would get the ball and have like two two or three guys in front of him, and for no apparent reason, just drive to the basket as if he's Chris Paul. I mean, what the F are you doing, Randolph? Excuse me, excuse me, I gotta, really gotta chill out with that. So apologize for that F talk. But no, what was Randolph doing out there? <laughs> in some of those plays. I mean, I, I and Rick Adelman was being just a little bit too patient for my liking there. I, I couldn't believe he wasn't taking him out of the game. The shot selection, decision-making. The t- he had three turnovers in, like, uh, I don't know, in about a six-minute span he had three turnovers, and they were really bad turnovers that led to fast breaks. Mavericks went on a run at that point in time. They went on, a, I believe it was a 10-0 run until Kevin Love had a three-pointer to really get things moving again. Um, the Wolves were kicking butt until that point. Randolph just got us killed for a while there, almost got us killed. But here's the good news. Here's the point, the big point of the entire this entire game right here. It, it was a statement that the Wolves made. The Dallas Mavericks made their run, right? But they never e- tied the game up. I believe it was 82-80 at one point. They never tied it up. Or not 82. It was something lower than that. But, um, yeah, they never tied the game. They never tied the game. It was more like 60... I don't even care. Whatever. It was much lower than 82 because Dallas only got 82. But... They never tied the game. Nope. I believe it was in the third. Yeah, it was in the third quarter. They scared us a bit. Never tied the game. 
Timberwolves maintained a minimum two-point lead, and then they grew, they'd get built back up to six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and so on and so forth. This Timberwolves team showed strength there. Because good teams, yeah, you might make a run on them and get make it close, but they did not relinquish the lead. That is the key right there. The Timberwolves did not relinquish the lead. I mean, I've been watching basketball so long, and that is so key, and, and it shows strength of a team right there. That is just unbelievably huge, a really, really encouraging sign for this team to show that they're maturing a little bit. They get their first win of the season, and it was great. One other comment, it looks like Jason Kidd's done. He is absolutely done. <laughs> Only one of five from the floor. All of them are three-point attempts. Uh, virtually invisible, slow. Yeah, he got four steals in the game, but a lot of them were just passes pretty much thrown into his hands. Guys by, like, uh, Rubio making a mistake here and there. Anthony Randolph was just awful. But, yeah, I think this Dallas Mavericks team is done. I think they're absolutely finished. Yeah, it was great to see it. I mean, they had their best win of the year last night against Oklahoma. They, gave, they handed Oklahoma their first loss of the year, and it was a, a nice pounding. Very cool to see. But no, this this game was a sign of growth for this basketball team. There is no doubt about it. That this was uh, this was definitely a sign of, of development. And there you go. There you go. So very cool to see Rubio hit two more three-pointers, make all of his free throws, drive, scoop, layups to the basket. Just just, just beauties. Played his heart out, did, uh, did Ricky Rubio. Yes, he did. Wes Johnson almost invisible, only one basket in the whole game, and that's it. One of seven in only 13 minutes. So a lot of people wondering what the hell is up with Wes Johnson. To this point, I have no idea. So... Since we're not going to break, we'll review the last game and we will uh, get into the contact details here. We are going to clear the one-hour mark, believe it or not, because there was so much to review. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's not so much in stories. You know, we're getting into background info kind of as we go here, which is okay, right? <laughs> it's kind of background info as we go. You got guys like Rubio playing their heart out. Uh, you, you see him posting stuff on on Facebook, uh, saying basically, "Game, it's you know, I, I'm really happy to be here. It's really nice that it snowed. That's really cool." So, I mean, th- there's just you know, there's a really good vibe here in this town. It, it's very cool to see Rubio uh, with the attitude that he does have. So, back-to-back games, Dallas Mavericks, San Antonio Spurs, like that was usually doomed for this team, but not this year. Oh, no, not this year. Minnesota leads the whole way against the Spurs, folks, last night. Monday, the uh, 2nd of January, 2012. Minnesota wins 106-96. to We end a 13-million-year skid against the San Antonio Spurs. Okay, not that long, but a long skid against the Spurs. It looked like we were going to score about 130 points against this team until the fourth quarter when we only scored 12. We just kind of chilled out and... Ran the clock out, it looks like. Uh, we had 35 points in the first quarter, 31 in the second, 28 in the third. It just kind of deteriorated into 12 after that. But, hey, it was a convincing, convincing W for this team. You never felt the San Antonio Spurs were going to beat the Wolves. Kevin Love had the exact same type of game that he has had all year, 24 and 15. The only problem is he had six turnovers. Uh, the turnovers up a bit, and I'm sure a lot of them were coming. A lot of them were coming later in the game, unfortunately. 
JJ Barea out again with the, the hamstring deal, so that's kind of that kind of flared up again. Um, really, though, it was the starting lineup. It was guys like Wesley Johnson and Luke Ridenour, and even Michael Beasley stepping up. Like the whole starting lineup played great, and the the bench didn't really see much playing time in this game. Just the starting lineup went out there and destroyed people. Luke Ridenour played 36 minutes in this game, had 19 points and nine assists. So. <laughs> it's one of those situations, again, you finally get a coach with a system that allows players to succeed. When you bring in a guy that brings in a system that 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 shackles point guards, yet you want to draft and sign point guards and try to make them successful, yet you have a coach and a scheme that shackles them and kills them, like Flynn and Ridnauer last year. Now, Ridnauer's again, Ridnauer's decision-making late in the game was pitiful, putrid, awful, terrible, um, he was going against the system, and it's, it's probably him just being rebellious, I'm guessing, secretly, against uh, Kurt Rambis, former coach, thank you, God. But, yeah, look at that. You would not have seen nine assists. You would not have seen nine assists from Luke Ridenauer last season under Kurt Rambis. But, gosh darn it, here you go. Fifth game of the season, five assists from Luke Ridenauer. 19 points. I mean, in an awesome game. And I'm sure also he's stealing the competition a bit. You got guys like, you got Ricky Rubio here, who is the, the future. He only played about 23 minutes at 6.3 assists. Not much of a game for the Ricky Rubio. But, you know, it's so early in his career, you're not going to expect him to go out and get 25 points and 12 assists. You know, it's, that's just not going to happen. He's not going to be Chris Paul here coming out of the gate. You know, that's just not going to happen. But uh, to see Ridnauer and Wes Johnson play as well as they did, very cool. Wes Johnson, in about 30 minutes, made all six of his shots, 14 points, two of two from three-point range. The only million-dollar question that I asked all last season, why only six? Why only six? Why? I mean, somebody's got to get this young man to start shooting the ball. Because Wesley Johnson can play. There's no reason for him not to be shooting the ball. No reason at all. Uh... Very encouraging, though, to see this uh, starting lineup to shoot the ball uh, over 50%. Every single one of them shot over 50%, folks. As I mentioned, Luke Redenauer, 7 of 10. Wes Johnson, 6 of 6. Darko frickin' Milicic, 5 of 9. In a very solid game, 10.6 rebound game. Kevin Love, 8 of 15. Three, 4 of 9 from 3-point range from Kevin Love. Getting a little trigger happy from long range. In fact, he shot more 3-pointers than regular shots. Because you do the math, he shot six regular field goals and uh, nine threes. So, come on now, let's not turn into Chris Webber here, please. Uh, Chris Webber didn't win a ring, uh, we'll all remember. Uh, Beasley made both of his three-point attempts, eight of 15 from the floor, just like Kevin Love, a 19-point performance, though the turnovers, again, very, very, very high. Very high. Ridnour had three, Johnson had two, Darko had zero. That's awesome, considering he had a five-turnover game at one point. Um... Love with six turnovers. Six. Like, yikes. <laughs> they really got to him there. Uh, and three for Michael Beastly, the beast. Um, one other thing to note. You can also throw in here, <laughs> and you just pray to God this isn't used as some type of th- thought here, some type of point, like, hey, the Wolves beat the Spurs without the very, the very guy that has torched them the last X amount of years with a 70% three-point shooting against them, that being the guy that I talk about and complain and, and whine about all the time, oh, you know who it is. 
It's old South America himself, Manu Ginobili. <laughs> Argentina. Manu Ginobili. 70% three-point shooting. One of the, I believe it was two years ago against us. Maybe it was last year. I mean, the guy would just shoot the ball and it'd go in. It didn't even matter. Just would torch us over and over and over and over and over and over. What pissed me off about Manu Ginobili is he'd be taking those shots when they're up by 25 in the fourth quarter. It's like, dude, cut it out. Come on. You know, it's like rubbing it in just a little bit. But, yeah, uh, Manu Ginobili breaks a bone in his hand, out six weeks. So, A, good riddance to Manu Ginobili, but B, well, on the other hand, it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, well, I just, dang it, if I want to beat the Spurs, I want to see Ginobili, still, uh, I want to beat them with Ginobili playing full time. He only played about 12 and a half minutes in the game, so doggone it. Yet, clearly the Spurs team is not the same team that they have been in the years past. Tim Duncan is really getting close to the end. Tony Parker didn't even play well. Uh, Dewan Blair, who had been destroying people so far this year for the 3-2 and two Spurs, had a very soft game. Four personal fouls, six points, three rebounds, and like almost 30 minutes. I don't know what happened there to Dewan. I have no idea. I have no idea what happened there. Um, but, hey, again, but hey, in the end can't complain. We'll just take it and move on. Minnesota owned, pretty much owned the Spurs from start to finish in this game. We'll take it. <laughs> I have no complaints whatsoever. Thank God we finally beat the Spurs. It's just amazing to see us pound them the way we did. Considering the Spurs are probably going to be a playoff team this year. I mean, oh, most likely. They might even be, they might ever even have home court in the first round. Get a top four seed. Dallas will not be in the top four. In fact, they just might be out of the playoffs this year. I don't know if that's a bold prediction or not, but Dallas might just might be out of the playoffs. They are really sucking. <laughs> um, but the Timberwolves clearly showing signs of massive development. Clearly, this team is several steps ahead of last year, folks. To me, there is no doubt about it that this team is several steps ahead of last year. And for that, I am extremely excited. And I know the fan base is extremely excited. And best of all, <laughs> you know that your host, Joey Wijin, Paladino Joey of Timberwolves Explosion, is not, and I mean not, bandwagon. Oh, no. I've been here through the 15 win, 17 wins, uh, whatever there was in the previous years, 21 in the Randy Whitman, Kevin McHale eras. Hey, I've been here the whole time. And yes, I was a Wolves fan the whole 90s. And the whole 2000s as well. It's just Timberwolves Explosion wasn't around until 2008, so sorry about that. <laughs> I actually wish I did start earlier. It would have been a good thing. But with that said, you guys know I'm not bandwagon. And I know a lot of you guys out there that are listening to the show are not bandwagon. But to those of you that are bandwagon, hey, you know what? Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening. It's not hurting me at all. So thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. Welcome to Timberwolves Explosion. Welcome to the fan base. Now, don't you leave if something starts to go a little bit awry, okay? Because teams do get in losing streaks. Don't you walk away from this team. Again, you walked away when Garnett left. Now stick around this time, okay? Because I don't think Ricky Rubio is going to turn into as big a jackass as Kevin Garnett. Or, you know, even Kevin Love, isn't. I don't think is going to be that bad either. Even though Love kind of started out a little bit shady with the funky attitudes, not getting along with coaches... Uh, very well. But then again, now you wonder why. <laughs> Gee, 
you think there might have been a reason why Kevin Love might not have gotten along with the Whitman and Brambeth? <laughs> because they sucked. Hardcore. And they didn't push the right buttons with the players. They did not. <laughs> if Rick Adelman's not pushing the right buttons, I don't know who is. Uh, the good news about Rick Adelman, too, like I was trying to get into earlier about Michael Beasley, I'll kind of close with this. Guys like Beasley taking dumb shots and such. Um, Rick Adelman doesn't make the same mistake twice. Not that it was a mistake having Beasley in the game, late in the game, because, hey, you know, he was he's probably the top offensive weapon on the team, probably, overall. Skill-wise, he is. But he did not allow Michael Beasley to get us killed twice. Now, Terry Porter coached the Timberwolves in Milwaukee. That was not Rick Edelman. This was Terry Porter's team in Milwaukee. So, come, so gosh darn it, what happens when the Wolves are playing Miami later? Michael Beasley's not out there in the, in the fourth quarter. He, he was noticeably missing, wasn't he? Luckily, he was still keeping a good attitude in that sense, standing, clapping up the team, so he wasn't pouting, but I'm sure he wasn't necessarily happy to not be playing then. But there you go. It's like a punishment. Dude, like, dude, if you're going to take horrible shots and, and, and hurt this team late in the game, in a close game, you're not going to play. You're just not. So later on against Dallas and against uh, San Antonio, Beasley was significantly better. Did that kind of stuff happen with Karambas? Absolutely not. Uh, another thing, look at Anthony Randolph against the Dallas Mavericks. He lost his mind out there. I, I don't know. I, to this day, have no idea what that was. I mean, the guy's smarter than that, I thought. <laughs> I think I still think he is. But guess what, folks? As punishment, to kind of show this guy, hey, until you're going to play with a little bit more intelligence out on the basketball court, you're not going to play. Andy, Anthony Randolph threw a DNP against San Antonio yesterday when he probably could have played in that game when the Wolves were playing great basketball. But he did not. And that's a sign to say, hey, you are not going to go out there and make the same dumb, idiot mistakes and kill this team like Luke Ridenauer did last year because, you know, Karamis did not address it. Johnny Flynn, he didn't address problems with Johnny Flynn. Wayne Ellington took some horrible shots last year, got us killed. You're not seeing the same imbecilic mistakes being made twice with this team this year. With Ramos, he was made 10, 15 times with the same players last year. And it cost us game after game after game after game. And that's why you saw this team not even win a 20, not even have a 20-win season under the horrible Kurt Ramos. That's why. Rick Edelman will have 20 wins probably in a 50-game, in a 66-game season. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know it helps to have uh, Ricky Rubio on the roster. But you know what? Ricky Rubio would have been invisible in Karamis' system. End of sermon. So with that, I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'd like you to I would like to get to the contact details first and foremost. We'd like you to join the message boards on the sportstuff.com. We would appreciate that also very much. Um, simply go to the front page of the website, click on the button that says TSS boards, this of course being the sportstuff.com. Simply click on the button that says TSS Boards, then register, get your screen name on there, and talk basketball with cool guys like Rusty, Brian Cush, P-Mac, uh, NY Buddha. I'm sure he's still there. Guys that got there, a lot of basketball fans on the sportstuff.com. Get on those message boards. Get involved. Don't just watch sports. Get involved. Very, very cool stuff. Also, there is a phone line. It is a voicemail, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877.
888-528-7877. As mentioned, it is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for Timberwolves Explosion. And uh, <laughs> give your opinion, shout-out, question, comment, whatever. And you'll be on here with me. It would be also terrific. Again, 209-736-7877. There you go. I said it's slower than I have sometimes. Uh, don't forget the Facebook and Twitter. Twitter.com forward slash Wolves Explosion. Facebook, uh, well, you have to go into the search bar. Type in Timberwolves Explosion, Minnesota Timberwolves. You'll get two options. There's the Facebook group and the Facebook page. I prefer you go to the Facebook page. Just simply go there and then click like on the actual page and then comment on there. But you're welcome to post on the group if you want to. That's the one that would say group. One says company, one says group. Company, of course, is the page. Group is the group. Yeah, there you go. So with that, simply put, like you to keep posting on there. Nicholas Borboom, Nick Borboom, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. Keep posting. You're so, so welcome. So welcome. I mean, and this team needs, this uh, show needs more interaction from you fans out there. Yeah, not complaining, just saying we'd like more interaction. It'd be great. So with that said, we are going to call it a day. Once and for all, it has been an absolute pleasure keeping track of this team so far this season. And I'm going to try to get as many shows up as possible. Wolves will play Memphis tomorrow, the 4th of January, 2012. And I do think they will win that game in Target Center. I also think they'll win in Cleveland, or against Cleveland. And the Timberwolves have a chance to get some uh, nice amount of wins here against some of these teams. I got a good, I got a good feeling about that we might be seeing a winning record here in the not-too-distant future, and that would be nuts. <laughs> so, all right. Take care, everybody. We'll be back sooner rather than later. <laughs>